So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, holding down the fort in Columbus, Ohio. Any listeners from the Midwest, I wish I could hear you all say yes or no out there. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. The entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business. And I find that the number one way to do that is to learn from people who have gone before you. Uh, that's really the intent. That's the purpose. And I'm excited about that. You guys, uh, before we dive into today's conversation with Chris Daly, I want to drop a little nugget in your ear. You guys are all well aware of the Six Figure Photography Podcast, but I'm stewing. I'm up to some other shenanigans, and I want you guys to get involved with it as well. I've got a new podcast that's going to drop here shortly, and I really want this podcast to focus around this concept uh, that we talk a lot about here at the SFP Podcast, but the concept of doing what you love. Right now, we're so focused on photography right here in this little space, and I've gotten so many DMs, so many emails, so many comments on other episodes of this podcast saying, look, I'm not even a photographer. Like, I sell, like, uh, appliances. I sell software, and I still get inspired to go and, and design the life that I want to live when I hear your podcast. And so, you guys... I've got a new podcast called Do What You Love, the Do What You Love podcast, and it is really designed, yes, for you photographers, but also let's go wider, creative entrepreneurs, let's go wider. Just like if you want to step out in fear and and, and and create the life that you want to live, then this is for you. And so here's my call to you guys. Head over to benhartley.com and get on the wait list. All right, benhartley.com. Get on the wait list for that. And I will let you know when the first couple episodes drop so you can be a part of it. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear uh, uh, you guys um, as well as an audience member of that podcast. You guys, look, enough about all these other things that are going on in the world. 
I got some really exciting stuff for today. Chris Daly is on today's episode. Uh, and I'm, man, I, just so you know, Chris, I know you're just listening right now. I have so many questions for you right off the bat, and I just want to dive into them. Chris is a digital marketing entrepreneur with a passion for helping businesses succeed online. This is the part that I'm really curious about. After spending years driving traffic through SEO and digital marketing efforts, Chris turned his attention to like the UX, the user experience of websites to see if he could influence traffic to convert better. We're talking marketing psychology here, you guys. After running his first successful tests, he fell in love and began to focus on helping businesses test their own website experience. This is stuff that fascinates me like none other. You guys, welcome to the show, Chris Daly. Chris, how are you, my man? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on, Ben. Yes, Chris, where are you calling from? I am uh, in Utah, south of Salt Lake City. It's about 105 degrees outside right now. <laughs> Loving life. Do you love that or do you hate that? Like, Where do you fall on the heat spectrum? Well, so I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. So this is nothing compared to that. Um, and we have the beautiful mountains that are just down the street from me here. So I, I love it here. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So how did you get involved in like, what was your first kind of hurrah into this? Like, I've, here's what I want to say. Let me rewind for a second. I feel like people who are involved in SEO, who are involved in like content marketing, online marketing, especially like this UX kind of experience stuff, they tend to be really unique individuals. <laughs> and all I want to know is like, how, how did you stumble into it? Was it like, I feel like all my friends who are in this space, it was like, Maybe it was like video games or computer games that kind of brought them online and into that space. And then they kind of started figuring out how to, how to make money doing it. Like, how did you end up turning on a computer and figuring out, well, shoot, I can actually influence people's direction to go to certain websites and maybe buy some stuff? <laughs> it was a total accident. Uh, I am a video gamer, but that had nothing to do with it. I was actually <laughs> a lazy video gamer looking for a job. And I ran into a second cousin of mine who worked at this digital marketing company. And by the way, I've, I've actually never seen her since then. Um, but she told me about this company she was working for. She uh, set up an interview for me for a sales position. And again, I was just looking to make money while I was going to college. And so I went and started doing sales for this company that did SEO. And as I started selling it, of course, I have to learn what it is I'm selling. And I was just fascinated by this idea. You know, uh, SEO is specifically about getting your website to rank on Google. And, you know, I use Google every day of my life. And so it was very interesting to me to go, oh, wow, I didn't know that you could influence those Google search results. Um, so I applied for a job internally, got the job, and, uh, and, and really just fell in love with this whole digital marketing space. Um, and so fast forward a few years, you know, I'm doing SEO, which is, again, it's about getting traffic from Google to come to your website. Uh, I thought that I was crushing it. I was working at in-house at a company and we had increased our traffic by like 300% in six months, which, you know, I'm, I'm going, oh, I can't wait to get this next raise and promotion. Um, and anyways, long story short, we, we start digging in and figuring out, well, what's happening with all this traffic? Are we actually generating more money from them? And it turned out we weren't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we were getting a ton of traffic to our site, but the people weren't doing what we were expecting them to do. They weren't filling out forms and buying products and, you know, actually engaging with the site. They were just leaving. And of course, that's 
concerning to anybody and especially to me who spent a bunch of time getting those people there. And so that's, I start at, started asking around at the company I was at, you know, I asked our design team, what's going on guys? Like, and they, and they all say, I don't know. Our designs look awesome. You know, we've got, uh, you know, great, great photography on the page. We've got great, uh, you know, the latest and greatest designs. It should be working great. You know, developers don't think anything's wrong with the site. Nothing's broken. And so no one can really tell me what was happening. And that's when I started to dig in and get this question in my head of like, well, well, what is happening then? Why are people not converting better? Or, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, usually what other people, other business businesses will ask is, why are people converting on my site? <laughs> Most people don't know the answer to that question. Um, and so that's how I got uh, introduced into the world of conversion rate optimization that I'm in now. And like you said, the psychology aspect of it is what really, really drives me to figure out what what is it that people want to see when they come to a website? What is it that gets them hooked? Uh, is it the picture? Is it the content? Is it the general uh, layout and style of the page? Um, it's, it's a really, really interesting field to be in. Uh, and, and I absolutely love it. Wow, dude, this is awesome. So I almost want to ask questions that that uh, that lead up to where we're going to, which is like leading up to this whole concept of 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 UX on your website, right? But I but I guess I'm curious, even getting to that stage, like there's different types of traffic that you've got to your website, and so what you're talking about here is like you know your organic SEO um, landing on that site and how you kind of optimize for that. But is that different? Like, are you creating, um, okay, let me word it this way. Let's say you've got a website that's just got, it's, it's all pay-per-click, right? Pay-per-click organic, I'm sorry, pay-per-click like Google ads going to the website. That's the way they're generating traffic. And then you've got another one where everyone's coming from like Instagram. It is the way that you treat those the that audience different like the the the, the kind of psychology behind that the copy uh, the opt-ins like is there different approaches to that absolutely and that's a great question um, and when you're talking about a difference between even just like Google and Facebook because you know you can run ads on Google you can run ads on Facebook on Instagram um, or even if you're just driving organic Instagram or Facebook, uh, from you know a page that you have, they are absolutely different users. And and let me just, um, in terms of a little bit of insight, when somebody's on Google, somebody on Google knows that they're looking for something. You don't go to Google unless you're looking for something, right? You're you're searching for an answer or a product or something. When somebody's on Facebook, they're typically not looking for anything, right? They're just go- scrolling through their feed, checking out their friend stuff, like whatever. Um, and so that by itself is a huge psychological difference, right? Somebody that is searching versus somebody that is consuming. Um, and and so curious too, I like, I think about my own behavior on Facebook and when I click on stuff, it's like my curiosity has been piqued Yes, and I'm like, Oh, what's this? And then I click on something, uh, and then suddenly I'm at this page. And that's not even to say that also one major difference is when you're getting a bunch of people coming from social media, not only are they in a different mindset, but they're on a different device. 
90% of social media traffic is mobile. And so you're going to mostly be getting people on their mobile devices coming to your site versus Google, which I don't remember the latest the latest data. But uh, I mean, typically, you're going to be getting a, a much larger percentage of people on a desktop device. Um, it's like 40 to 50%. Um, and so that, that also is a major psychological difference. You think about uh, just the different way that you browse the web on your phone versus your computer. So you have two, the, and those are just two um, of the big differences. There's also a ton of other smaller demographical differences. Um, but, you know, those are two big things. And so the way that you treat those people on your website is absolutely different. Um, and um, let, let me just give you one uh, one common mistake that people make, though, and I'll, I'll tell you a story about this. So I had a client that came to me and they said, um, hey, we get a ton of traffic from Instagram to our site. We sell a bunch of products on our site. Um, and, uh, and so we've designed this Instagram style homepage. Um, or, you know, because on Instagram, you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and you get tons of, you know, the, there's never ending content on, on a mobile device. So we think people want to see that on our site. So we designed this really nice looking, like very, very photo heavy homepage that shows all of our products and you can just scroll and scroll and scroll. I mean, they had like 60 or 70 or 80 different sections of products on their homepage. It was, it was nuts. Um, seems like a very logical conclusion, right? People coming from Instagram, they're on a mobile device. They want to see an Instagram style homepage that looks familiar to them. So they spent like $350,000 building this new site and they launched it and nothing happened. Nothing happened. I mean, when you spend $300,000 on a new site, you would expect that sales would go up. I mean, it's not the personal experience. I can attest. This is true. (laughs) That's exactly what you do. And it's not the worst thing that could happen, right? At least sales didn't tank, but nothing happens. And so then they they come to me and they go, well, we don't know what happened. Help us understand what happened. So the first thing that, that we did was challenge that assumption they have. Okay. It seems like a logical conclusion. Somebody's on a mobile device. They're coming from, from Facebook or Instagram. They come to your site. It seems like it resonates because it's a similar experience. But maybe that's not what they want. Maybe they actually don't want something that looks exactly like Instagram. So let's challenge that. So we ran uh, what I call an existence test. This is where we just remove stuff from the site. So the whole purpose is we want to figure out what should be on your, on your page. Is there anything on there that's hurting your conversion rates now? So we tested eight different versions of their homepage where we just removed sections of products, sections of content, photos, that kind of stuff. So out of eight different versions of their homepage where we were removing things, we were, or in other words, we were challenging this whole Instagram style homepage idea. Out of eight different versions, six of them increased revenue um, to the tune of like $25,000 in a week in, of increased revenue just by removing stuff. And so immediately what that did is that immediately challenged this idea that we had that because we knew people were coming from Instagram, we knew what they wanted to see on our site. And that's something that I see time and time again, um, it, which is, it is great to understand where your audience is coming from. It is great to understand what devices they're on, but it's very easy and very dangerous to go down this slippery slope of thinking, because I know that, I know all these other things about them too. Yes. Lots of assumptions get made. How can we balance that? How can we go into this? 
Um, almost like resetting, like I know, look, I just know there's so many photographers out there who are constantly, um, you're, you're rethinking your website even right now, you know, right now we're kind of in the thick season, Chris, uh, heavy, heavy, heavy wedding season right now, uh, for a lot of places, but we're about to hit a lull here once we get into like October, November, um, at least in the Midwest. And that's going to be the time that a lot of websites get revised, re-looked at, um, and we think we know. So how can we kind of reset our beliefs um, or assumptions and kind of take a fresh look at things? Yeah, that's a, good, a, a really good question. And there's a few things that I typically try to consider. One of them, I mean, of course, I'm a testing guy. And so I like to always think about things in terms of a test. Um, or in other words, the reason that I test and the reason that um, the reason that we look at things and approach things from a testing mentality is you don't ever want to just assume what your audience wants. Or even if you've like done some surveys or asked some of your you know your customers, your clients, um, what it is they want from your website, you still don't want to assume that that means that that's what everybody wants. And so um, I always like to approach things from a testing perspective. And what that means is I like to create a couple of different versions of a site. So um, again, you know, if you're, if you're focusing in, in the photography space, any, anything in the photography space, whether it's your, <laughs> you have, in fact, we have a, we have a client right now that, um, that makes bags for photographers, right? So it's, it's, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, catering to or targeting the demographic that's listening to this podcast. And so they, they made a bunch of assumptions that um, because these people are photographers, they want to see beautiful photos on the site. But they're not coming to the site for beautiful photos. They're coming to the site to buy a bag um, for their camera. And so um, one of the things that we tested was what kind of photography should we have on there? Will a photo of a beautiful landscape resonate or will a photo of a guy hiking with the bag on his shoulder resonate or do they just want to see a picture of the bag? And so starting from that kind of a perspective and, and challenging some of your assumptions is a great way to kind of approach a site redesign. And so what I usually recommend for people is take two completely different approaches. Take whatever the approaches that you think that people want Go ahead and design, create some kind of a design like that, and then create another design that challenges your assumptions. So again, instead of beautiful photos, instead of beautiful landscapes, do some kind of a minimalistic design that doesn't have really any photos on it, or maybe has, um, you know, again, much more minimalistic photography. Um, and then you can use very easily, you can use an A-B testing software. Google actually has a free tool called Google Optimize that you can use to test these two different versions against each other. And see what resonates. See what actually see, see what happens. Because once you know, once you get some data back that says, "Hey, I had these two different versions of my of my homepage, or I had these two different landing pages, and this version uh, with you know beautiful photography and landscape generated ten leads, and this version with uh, you know just content generated fifty leads for me." Well, it seems like content is resonating a lot more than pictures. So let's let's go down that. Let's dig deeper into that rabbit hole. Um, but that's that's usually what I will suggest for people is instead of just doing one thing, try a couple things, test them, and see what resonates, so that then you know for sure you're heading in the right direction. 
So Google Optimize, this is, this is, so I'm not familiar with this. So Google Optimize allows you to essentially split test your website under the same domain. How do that, how does SEO factor into that? Like what one populates when they search? So, yeah. So for SEO purposes, these kind of A-B tests actually have no impact at all. Uh, really? You know, Google loves A-B testing because what you're doing when you're running an A-B test, you're trying to figure out what is the best thing for my user. And that's ultimately what Google cares about as well. Google wants to give people search results that are relevant to what they're looking for, that address their question or their pain point. So that's the whole reason that Google has their own A-B testing tool because they love it. You're doing something that's in the best interest of their users. So they actually don't index your test pages until you have made a permanent change to your website. So while you have a split test running, uh, there's no impact to your... um, to your Google search results. Um, if somebody comes to your site, then the way that these testing tools work is they will just randomly show your traffic one version or the other. So half of your traffic will see one version, half of your traffic will see the other. Um, and that is what that's what gives you such great data from these tests is you are getting a truly random split of traffic. Because one of the things that a lot of people tell me when I ask, have you ever done any testing on your site before? Almost always people will say yes. And when I'll dig a little bit deeper and say, oh, well, tell me about a test that you ran, what people typically say is, oh, well, I redesigned my site, I launched the new version, and I compared my conversion rates this week to my conversion rates last week. And if conversion rates went up, then that means that the new site's performing better. The problem with that is maybe conversion rates would have went up this week anyways. You know, one of my favorite things to pull, one of my favorite reports to pull for people in Google Analytics is a conversion rate by day report. So this tells you like what your average conversion rate is on any given day of the week. And every time you pull this report, you're going to have different conversion rates on every day of the week. So what that tells you is, okay, maybe Monday is a really high converting day for me. Maybe Friday is a really poor converting day for me. But what that tells me is my conversion rates are always changing. They're always going up or down. And you know, some people's conversion rates are going to change more than others. But what that means, ultimately, how this goes back to testing is if I just launch a new site this week and I'm comparing it to last week, my conversion rates were going to change no matter what. And so I'm, I'm not comparing apples to apples. I'm comparing apples to oranges. So that's, that's the whole beauty of A-B testing. Using a tool like Google Optimize will give you very clean data because it's all during the same time frame with the same traffic that's being randomly shown one of these versions. Podcast listeners, I apologize for interrupting the interview, but I just I have to give a shout out to two big supporters of the industry, two big supporters of the SFP podcast. And so I'm going to be brief here. The first is the Giphy booth. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, it is essentially a photo booth, but it is a modern, fresh, uh, new take on a photo booth. It makes animated GIFs and photographs. Now, here's the deal. I'm a working wedding photographer. I am not a photo booth owner. And I want you guys to understand this. This is perfect. If you are a photographer first, out shooting events, uh, portraiture, that type of thing, this booth is amazing because it requires so little work. Like I've I've had other photo booths. I still own another photo booth, but the Giphy booth is the thing that I love because I just get to set it up in under five minutes. It It's like a the size of like a laptop bag, essentially. Um, it automates everything once you're done with an event. Uh, it's such an easy upsell. And one of the great things about it is 
because it takes so little overhead to actually run uh, an event that I essentially get to pass that savings on to my client. And so I can I can charge less for it, do more events and remain so much more stress free. It also has like built in marketing tools. You guys just need to check it out. It is called the Giphy Booth. Go check it out at Giphy.com, G-I-F. YYY.com, three Y's, G I F Y Y Y.com. By the way, use the coupon code SFP2017 for some dope discounts. Maybe just mention my name, dude. You know, Ben Hartley, SFP2017 is the code uh, to go check this thing out. I own one and I promise you I'm buying another this year as well. Next up on my thank you list is Freedom Edits. You guys, look, the end of the day, you can't grow your business if you are doing everything. It's just a, it's a fact that we all have to face. And to have somebody who's doing the bulk editing, by the way, when I say bulk editing, like I get to still, you get to still choose to edit the photographs that you want to edit, the beautiful portfolio shots, the stunning bridal portraits, whatever it is that you get excited about, please keep editing that. But all of the bulk stuff that slowly kills your soul please go check out Freedom Edits and have them take care of it because they're going to give you consistent results with personal touch. This is the thing. It's the personal touch. Like the intentional decisions that that uh, Freedom Edits, by the way, in-house editors, not like outsourced, in-house editors make, I freaking love because they're actually making intentional creative decisions and not just doing these like robotic choices where you get images back and you're like, why did they expose for that? They like, like any normal creative would have understood that there was an off-camera flash and and done this right. Freedom Edits will do it right, you guys. I freaking love them. Go check out Freedom Edits. By the way, uh, it's freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. That's where you need to go. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free, you guys. Again, just mention my name, Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free. Like, do you want to save a couple days this week? Then go do this right now. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. All right, let's get back to the show. Fascinating. I, I've got a question for you. Then this is a this is a personal question. This is one I just want to know the damn answer to. Not that there is an answer, Chris, but look, one of the I feel like there is, you know, there's like these like age-old battles, and I can't even think of an example right now that, that it, it's like uh crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter, chocolate or vanilla. Uh what's another good example of that, Chris? Uh, Apple or Android device. <laughs> there it is, Apple or Android device. So here, now that we got the we've got the con- uh, the context, SEO or UX on your homepage. And let me explain what I mean, and then you can you can school me on this for a little bit. I feel like it's so often it feels like they're just wrestle against each other. Like I feel like for SEO purposes, I'm like I gotta have like all this content on my homepage and all this words and. Stuff, but like the UX side of me just wants like the most minimal, clean, like uh, dare I say, empty homepage. That's just like here's what you do: go to this thing, uh, and just guides people to exactly where I want them to go. And I feel like I'm I'm always in this wrestling match between those two worlds. Are they really at as much of an odd as as I currently believe them to be? Are they, are they at that odds? That's a great question. And that's that's one of the things I get asked all the time. Um, you know, because I talked about this existence test I ran for a client of mine where we were removing things from the site. 
right? And any SEO, anytime you talk about removing anything from a site, SEOs cringe. And they go, no, no, what if that, what if that negatively impacts our rankings? Um, so I, I totally get what you're asking. And you're right. One of, the, one of the major influencing factors for Google is content. And so it's a very logical conclusion to come to and a conclusion that most people come to that, okay, if content's important to Google, then I need to make sure to have lots of content. However, it's not the only thing that's important to Google. Also important to Google, and this was actually an, a kind of an eye-opening moment to me because I used to do SEO, right? And I remember um, going back, I spoke at an SEO conference uh, a couple years ago, and I showed um, in this presentation that I gave at this conference the top 10 on-site ranking factors. Or in other words, what are the, the 10 things that Google looks at when they're looking at your site? And of those top 10, of course, I think the number one was relevant content. But like the numbers two through five things that they were looking at were user experience, like bounce rates. If you have really bad bounce rates on your site, that affects your, your organic rankings. Uh, if you have really good click-through rates, then that affects time on site. If people spend more time on your site, that positively impacts your Google rankings mm -hmm. and so on. So there was a lot of on-site factors. So anyways, to go back and answer your question, um, what I have found is that if you can increase, if you can enhance your user experience, not just by making it look better, but actually by having it perform better. So if you have some data that shows, hey, by removing this content, my click-through rates go up, my time on site goes up, my bounce rates go down. Um, typically, any negative impact that you have by removing that content will be made up for and then some by having better engagement on your site. And so there, it's, it's actually kind of a very nice balance between the two where it's like, why don't we try it? Let's, let's first put on all the content that we want for SEO purposes and then let's test removing some of it or maybe changing some of it and see what our users actually want to see. Because if we cater to our users, ultimately, we're also catering to Google because they care about our users. So there, there is a very good relationship between the two. If you test and get data back on what your users want, uh, then they play very nicely with each other. It's awesome. Chris, what are you more interested in? What, what, what fascinates you more? Is it, uh, is it Google's most recent algorithm, the, the tech, the software, the opportunities in technology uh, to kind of leverage? Or is it simply human behavior and psychology as it relates to buying decisions? Oh, human psychology by a long shot. And one of the reasons is <laughs> I think that Google... Google's whole algorithm, what they're trying to do is they're trying to emulate a user. That's ultimately what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out what do people want. Um, and so instead of trying to figure out what does Google want, if I can figure out what people want, then I'll ultimately have what Google wants too. Um, but, but human psychology for me is just a fascinating world. And one of the reasons that I'm so fascinated by it is, you know, I've been doing... Um, I've been doing user experience testing for uh, about six years now. I've run hundreds, if not thousands of split tests on websites. Um, and even having run all of those tests and having all of this experience, I am surprised every single day by test results I see. Or in other words, I think that something's going to work and it doesn't. Or I think that something's not going to work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could, I, I could tell you this all day long. So let me give you one, like, this is another age-old question that people 
understand. One one assumption that I had, or one thing that you see a lot on websites is like rotating banners on a homepage, right? Like a rotating hero banner. So in my mind, rotating hero banners are bad because when I'm thinking about the psychology behind a user, anytime something moves on a website, anytime there's movement, it distracts people and it actually causes people a lot of anxiety because when you see a banner and you see it move, the first thing you think is, crap, what did I just miss on the last banner? I, I didn't even look at it or I didn't even read it. Or maybe you did and it moves and you were scrolling down the page, but now that the banner moved, you have to scroll back up and go, oh, what do they have on there now? And so it's, it, it's a distraction. Any kind of movement is a distraction. And so to me, I sit there and I go, okay, there's movement. This is bad. This is going to negatively affect conversion rates. That's a, an assumption I had for a long time. So I ran dozens of tests, removing hero banners or changing hero banners instead of having them move, having some kind of a static hero banner. And what I found is there was really no rhyme or reason. Sometimes having a scrolling hero banner worked exceptionally well and increased conversion rates. Sometimes removing that hero banner, maybe having no hero banner worked better. But that was one, that was one of those things that, again, like um, the, the best practice side of me that, that just wanted like an easy answer or just wanted um, some, kind of a, some kind of a best practice that I could implement was was shocked to say, okay, well, I, I guess I guess maybe these do work, or maybe they don't. You know, again, but that was one that just kind of blew my mind, and uh, and has continued to interest me because um, there there's not a time when you should have a hero a scrolling hero banner or shouldn't. Um, it's really just up to your audience's preferences. Yeah. Uh, so like yeah, yeah. I'm just fascinated with that because even when you were sharing the story, I thought for sure you were gonna go the opposite direction of like the whole thing. It just, it's, I'm sitting over here trying to like make the guess of like where it was going. And, um, and it, yeah, even just your results were, uh, were, was not what I expected. Um, so, okay. To the photographer who's listening to this right now and they are struggling, right? Um, I think that there's two, two types of struggling right now for, for photographers in, in this sphere that we're talking about, Chris, and that's either a Chris, they're just not getting people to land on their site. Um, uh, that's maybe the first problem, but maybe B people are landing there and they're not converting. Um, what, like, and I, obviously I'm being very general here. Do you have any, like, maybe initial, like a doctor, you know, like you're going to go and you're going to take a look and see what symptoms are there. Are there any places that we could begin to kind of audit ourselves if, if we're not seeing conversions come through, if we're getting like one, one lead a month, one lead every couple months come through. Do you have any recommendation for maybe where we could begin to look to see why we're struggling to get people to convert? You bet. So there's two things that I'm going to typically look at. So you mentioned there's, there's the traffic uh, potential problem and there's the website potential problem, right? And at first, it's kind of hard to identify: is it a problem? Do I am I getting the wrong people to my site, or do I have uh, do I need to change my site? So with the traffic, what I'm going to typically be looking at is if it's if it's paid traffic. So if you're if you're running ads and you're paying to get people to your site and they're not converting as well as you would like, what I want to look at is is anybody converting? Right. If I'm getting some traffic to my site and only a small percentage of them are converting, at least I know that something's working. Right. I know that I'm getting some conversions. So it's more likely a website issue. Now, if I'm paying to get traffic to my site and nobody's converting, 
then that's where I'm typically going to focus more on the traffic and say, okay, maybe I'm not getting the right traffic to my website. Um, because if you, if you get even one conversion, then that gives you a good indication that you're hitting, you're resonating with something in this target audience, right? If, it, if it's Google, if you're running Google ads, uh, then it's like, okay, well, I found some, something that people are searching for that is remotely relevant to my, uh, you know, to my business. Um, if it's Facebook or Instagram, then I found some kind of an audience that is relevant, right? Because I mean, when you're targeting on Facebook, you're targeting audiences. When you're targeting on Google, you're targeting searches. Um, and so, yeah, if you have any kind of conversions at all, then I would look at your website. And if you're going to look at your website, here's a couple of things that I look at first. Number one, the most important thing I, I would suggest on a website is your value propositions. So value propositions, right? Value propositions are one of the first things that I look at on a website. It's one of, I have um, this, uh, this analysis that I have my team do. I call it a launch analysis. And it has six things on there. The six biggest ranking factors, or not ranking factors, the six biggest conversion factors on a website. And value propositions is the first one on the list that, that we look at. And the question that I typically like to ask businesses or anybody who has a website is um, what are the value propositions that you have? Or in other words, why does somebody want to work with you? Or why does somebody want your product? Um, and number two, do I know which ones are actually going to resonate best with people on my website? Because if somebody's coming to my website and they're not converting, they're bouncing, they're not staying, they're not clicking, they're not converting, you're not addressing whatever is important to them. Right? They're, they're not resonating with something on your website. Maybe it's the fact that your website looks like crap, but more than likely, I mean, uh, every single day I deal with websites uh, that look like crap and convert exceptionally well all, all the time. I mean, I, I, I'll pull up a website and I'll be like, this is straight out of like 2000. And, and it still like generates hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue per month. How is that happening? And so usually people will bear with a crappy design if they think that you have what they're looking for. And so I wouldn't immediately be thinking, oh, I just need a better looking website. Because um, if you don't have, if, if you're not addressing the stuff that people really care about, which again is their pain points. So what I, what I typically look at testing, and this is literally the easiest test that you can run on your website, especially if you use something like Google Optimize, one of the easiest tests that you can run. Real quick, I almost want to pause there. What, what's Google Optimize again? Google Optimize is the free A-B testing tool that That's you can A-B use. Testing. Okay, cool. Yes. Sorry. So if you use Google Optimize, which you can sign up for for free online, um, what it's going to do, you log into the tool. You give it uh, the URL of your home page or your landing page, and it's going to just pull it right into the tool, and it's going to pull it up. And you can click on anything on your site and change it. So you could click on your headline and change it from, um, you know, get a free quote to uh, the best damn A/B testing on the planet, and see whether Wait, get a free quote. Yeah, so very you, very you're simple. Able to do that with. Hold on, real quick. This is this is going to blow my mind if this is true. So you're able to do that inside of Google Optimize. You don't have to like do it on whatever you built your website on, yeah, or hired someone to build your website on. Yep. So right inside of Google Optimize. Now this is not going to make the change permanent on your website, but what it's going to do is it's going to create a second version of your site that you can now test. And so 
again, Google is going to say, let's say that you change that. You, you go from get a free quote to the best damn A-B testing on the planet. You now have two versions of your homepage. And now you can say to Google, launch this test. I mean, and it, and it can be that quick. I mean, you can have a test up and running in like 30 minutes. Um, and now half of your traffic is going to see the best damn A-B testing on the planet, right? Um, and so one of the first things, like I said, and one of the easiest things that you can do is figure out where are my value propositions on my page? If this is a landing page, value propositions should be the first thing that people see when they come to the site. They should be able to find your value propositions in less than five seconds. Can you can you briefly or maybe not briefly to <laughs> give a good explanation of a value proposition? I know you explained it, uh, you know, a little bit earlier, but it sounds like it's, with it being this important, what are what makes for a really great value proposition? So. One thing that's important with a value proposition, it needs to be short and sweet and to the point. Now, so a, what, what a value proposition is, a value proposition is what do you do? What, what is your unique selling proposition? So my unique selling proposition, if I was to tell people um, what are my value propositions, number one, my number one value proposition is I help people learn what their audience wants to see on their website. That's a value proposition. This is what I do. This is what I help people do. Okay. And there's a lot of other value propositions too. Anything that I do that is like a selling point of what I do. So if it's a product, for example, iPhone, what are iPhone's value propositions? Beautiful design, uh, easy to use interface. Um, you know, the, the best, you know, it's the best phone on the planet. That's, that's an arguable, uh, an arguable value proposition. Probably the best camera that you can buy in a, in a phone. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's a large screen, like whatever, all of the features of your product or service, that's a value proposition, right? And so what I typically will do is I will first go to a site and I will write down all the value propositions that I can find on the website. So for one of my clients, I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, I looked at your product page. Here's all the value propositions I saw. You offer free shipping. You have a non-GMO, all-natural, gluten-free product. Um, you know, thirty-day money-back guarantee. Um, uh, you know, comes in fifteen different colors, like whatever. You know, like these are all the value propositions I saw. Are these all the reasons that someone would want your product? And most often, people will say, "Well, no. Well, no. We also have a better quality product than everybody else, um, or we have great reviews, or we have whatever. I mean, you could you could list on you could go write a list a mile long of your value propositions of what what are the reasons that people would want to work with you. But so then so then number one, you identify what are the value propositions. Number two, this is where the test comes in. You want to figure out do I know what value propositions people actually care about. Because you could just barf up 15 value propositions on somebody and they might not care about any of them. In fact, we ran a test for one of our clients where we removed um, like half of their value propositions from the site and conversion rates went up. And so what that immediately told us is people didn't care about these other ones. Um, We ran another test for a client of ours where they had free shipping on like the checkout page of their site and we moved it to a more prominent location and highlighted it in green. Congratulations, you qualify for free shipping. And conversion rates went up by like 40%. That immediately told us that is a really important value proposition. You wouldn't think that it is. You would just assume that people just assume they're getting free shipping all the time. 
But by telling people they got free shipping, conversion rates went up a ton. So the second, so number one, identify what your value propositions are, all the things that you could say to people. Number two, run a test on your site where you just go in and you, you have two or maybe even three different versions of your page where you focus on different value propositions. So maybe on the first version of your site, you're going to focus on all of your value propositions. You're going to list all of them. Maybe on version two, you're just going to have what you think is your most unique value proposition. So, um, you know, 5,000 reviews, five stars and you know, with 5,000 reviews. Maybe that's my biggest value proposition. Or maybe my biggest value proposition is um, cheaper, better quality product. And that's all I'm going to say. And then on a third version of my page, I'm going to list out my top four value propositions. Run that test. I guarantee that you will see some kind of result. And what you'll find from that test is what is important to people. Maybe all of my value propositions are important. Maybe just one of them is. Um, But that will start to help you identify what do people want? What do people really care about when they're coming to your website? So that's, and that's just one area of your site that you could test, right? I mean, I could list off five or six other things that you could test, but that's the easiest place to start. And the one that arguably will have the biggest impact. That's fascinating. How long do you recommend people run these tests for before making a decision? So, I mean, it's going to depend from site to site based on how much traffic you get. Um, If you run it in Google Optimize, they're going to they're going to tell you once you have a result. So they're going to tell you once you have a statistically significant result. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And so that's that's the other great thing about using a tool like this is you're not just playing like guesswork. They're going to calculate like we're 90 percent confident that this is your actual result. Um, and so and, and I believe that Google Optimize will also tell you <laughs> this test is ready to conclude. Um, you know, it'll it'll give you some kind of a notification like that. So just plug it in, start tracking the metrics that you care about, and then just check in on it, you know, once a week, or, you know, if you're like me, four times a day. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you'll start to see these results come in and, and you'll, you'll get a good idea of when you should be finishing it. Man, this is fantastic. Do you, um, you know, I'd love to give a, a nugget uh, maybe a little nod here, a, a little piece of information for us photographers in, in a service-based industry of maybe something to consider um, as we're thinking about our website. It sounds like you know you're dealing with a lot of different industries: physical products, service. Uh, I'm I'm curious uh, from a psychological standpoint: is there a direction to take when you're when you're selling like a a luxury product, uh, a, a certainly a more expensive thing like wedding photography? you know, you're selling the service is, um, uh, is there anything that maybe we should weigh or consider more heavily than just the general website should? So again, this is, this is something that's really important. One of the value propositions of a service and especially a service like photography, one of your value propositions might be your pictures, right? And that's what I immediately assume. Like when I hear something like wedding photography or, um, or event like conference photography, those types of things. Um, the first thing that I would assume, and again, this might be totally off, but the first thing I would assume is people want to see, um, pictures so that they can see what kind of quality work you do. Now that's one assumption is people are going to want to see those, those pictures. But one of the things that I've actually found that's really interesting 
is for any kind of luxury service or a high-end service that has a high price point, interestingly enough, sometimes the more the more information you give them, the worse you convert. And, and one of the reasons is when people are going to be spending a lot of money with you for a service, <laughs> it's really easy for them to talk themselves out of working with you. Um, what you want them to be doing on your site is you want them to be nodding your head going, Ooh, I want more. I want to see more because you're trying to drive them to fill out your lead form. And so if you give them too much information or too many pictures, then they might just get super distracted or they might start seeing pictures that they don't like anymore. Right? So like the first picture they see might go, Ooh, that looks really interesting. But then they look at another one and even though it's still great quality work, they might go, Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to have an out- outdoor wedding. That's stupid. And and even though that has nothing to do with your service, they're just going to start talking themselves out of working with you. So what I typically like to think about and test with, with luxury services is um, short, simple, sweet um, types of landing pages that focus actually more on content than, um, than on... Uh, photography, but also, I mean, you, you obviously you have to have photos on the page. And so the other thing that I would test is which photos should I have? Maybe I should show three pictures on my page of the three best jobs I've ever had, or the three best pictures I think I have, or maybe I should show a, a reel of 30 pictures on there. But that's a great test to run. One version of your page that has three versus one version that has 30 and see which one converts more. Um, And I think that, and then the other thing that I would test, like I said, is you may actually test a a version of your page that has very few photos and just some content on the page that addresses your big pain points, right? So you you wanna give people in terms of like getting them to nod their heads, you want to give people justification for spending a lot of money with you. So the things that are going to typically justify whether or not they spend money with, with you is, um, you know, things like we travel to you, we make it easy for you. Um, you know, we're, we're available 24 hours a day. I mean, I don't don't even know what, what it might be. Um, you know, but whatever, whatever the, major friction points of the industry are, you want to make sure that you have listed those on the page and addressed them in some way that gets people going, I want to hear more. I want to reach out. So you don't want to give them all of the information up front. You just want to say, hey, look, we do indoor and outdoor weddings. Um, we do, uh, you know, four different four different camera angles. We do like whatever it is that, that your value propositions are, list out those and then say, contact us to learn more. Um, boom, I, I've, I've got, I know that you're doing something that's relevant to what I'm looking for. I know that you're addressing some of my main pain points. And hey, I saw a couple pictures that look awesome. I want to know more. Yeah, this is fun. Your initial thought um, of maybe saying too much reminds me of Grant Cardone talks about this a lot. I think he talks about it in Seller Be Sold, where like one of the the biggest ways that we actually mess up the close, uh, and in a lot of ways in person, you know, that we actually mess it up is is we just talk too damn much. Like we talk too much. And the, the individual was ready to make a decision 
and then we continue to sell when they were sold yeah. and we actually lose the sale because we just kept going. Uh, and so I think that's really insightful. Chris, there's so much here, man. There's this like ludicrous amounts of, of information uh, to be taken in, even from this alone. But I want people to go and, and, and find what else you got. Like on that note of not saying too much, let's even leave it at that. Like let's leave, let's use our own, take our own advice here. Chris, where can people find you online, learn more about what you're up to, uh, with, with all of your UX, your market psychology, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm online. Um, I'm surprisingly not on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Chris Daly. My last name is D-A-Y-L-E-Y. Um, I also have put together, because you asked a lot of really great questions that I get fairly often. Um, and so I, I actually put together um, a starter guide for A-B testing for people that want to get started, but are a little bit intimidated by the by the space, by the industry, um, or by the technology. Uh, so I put together a starter guide that lists off, you know, Google Optimize and some of the other tools that I recommend, as well as some of the other tests that I recommend uh, for getting started. So if people want to download that guide, it's free at disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. Um, nice. And if people want to, are interested in talking to Disruptive, having us take a look at the website, there's a little box they can check. Um, or if you just want the guide, you can just download it and, uh, and get out of there. Dude, I love it. I will make sure to get that link in the show notes for everyone. Chris, thank you so much for spending uh, your time, your genius with us. I really appreciate you, man. You bet. Thanks for having me on the show. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the SFP podcast. Look, uh, I really appreciate you. Make sure you get down to the show notes and take a look at the guide that Chris has for you all there. Uh, lastly, um, if you haven't gotten a chance to, there's a ton more content on YouTube. Michael and I, Michael's my fantastic videographer. He and I have just been producing content left, right, and center, and we would love to receive your feedback to learn how we can make it better, even just to say hi to you. So if you head over to YouTube, Ben Hartley on YouTube, uh, and, and check out what's there, um, leave some comments, leave some thoughts, uh, subscribe, and you better believe I'm going to read it and I'm going to reply back to you. I can't wait uh, to continue the conversation there. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next episode.